0: This is Betsy. Welcome to the Tend Her Wild podcast. We are so excited to be interviewing Jen Loeb today. Jen was born and raised in Jessup, Iowa. She went to Wartburg College and graduated with a degree in biology. She currently lives in Marengo, Iowa and works in Cedar Rapids. Jen started mountain climbing in 2010, So just 12 years ago, and since that time has climbed mountains all over the world, including Mount Everest on May 19, 2016. She's the first woman from Iowa to climb it. She recently became one of less than 25 women in the U.S. to complete the seven summits, which is when you climb the highest mountain on every continent. Jen has released a book called Shots from the Heart. It's beautiful. It's a 238-page book of photographs and journal excerpts from all of her travels near and far the book and select prints are available on our website, iowaclimberjen.com. She's been featured in Cedar Rapids Gazette, the Des Moines Register, KWWL, KCRG, and NPR. When she's not climbing or working, she also does a lot of that volunteer work. Welcome, Jen. We've Welcome. already had these amazing conversations <laughs> yeah. before we started rolling, and we're so excited to have you here yes, today. We are. Yeah. So we always start... We always, always, always start with where a person started their life. And you are born and raised Iowan. We have this um, kind of idea that the first 10 years of our life are like the defining. They're really defining. They sort of start to create who we are as humans that we then carry with us throughout the whole of our life. And so tell us a little bit about a child you were. Yeah. I was like <laughs> growing up in Je- uh, J- Jessup. Is it Jessup? Jessup Jessup. Yeah, I
2: grew up in Jessup on the small family farm um, just south of town and you know it's it wasn't a big farm but there was still lots of room for me to roam and play. I was always very outdoorsy. Um, you know I would hop on my bike and and I knew every square inch of that farm because mm. I would just run around like a feral child <laughs> <laughs> all, of, all over the place. We and like this a wild feral child. Kind of, yeah. 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 And and so on the on the one side of the farm there was some timber and a and Spring Creek actually runs through the edge of the farmland and so I spent you know, countless hours, I would hop on my bike and bike like three quarters of a mile down to the creek and just spend hours and hours and hours playing in the water and climbing the trees and building dams in the creek mm-hmm. and, and building little tree forts. And I I was just always outdoors yeah. and always just a little bit feral. <laughs> <laughs> well, this
0: podcast, as you know, is all about... Um rewilding, which we sort of describe as returning to what your essence is. That there's been so many stories over the years that were told or conditioned into. And so part of what Kate and I are exploring is how you return to this wild essence. And it sounds like from mm-hmm. early on you had this adventuresome spirit. Like mm-hmm. you were you were out there on your own in
2: that crick. Like
0: doing an it, yeah. I, it yeah, really was. you were an yeah. explorer from the yeah.
2: beginning. Really I was. Um and I think part of me you know, I think I was really just born this way, and I think that I just really worked hard to stay this way. Mm. You know, I grew up—this is Iowa, and and my family was um, very traditional and very conservative, and I think, you know, women—we were—you know, there was a lot of um, energy put into— I was told that you know my role as a woman was to to cook and to clean and to get married and mm. and, and raise children. Mm-hmm.
0: How did and do you remember how that sat with you even then? Not well. Not well even <laughs> then. Yeah. Not well. Not well. Uh, there was a lot of uh, headbutting uh, mm. uh, that
2: you know all those years of of you know it didn't make sense in my in my childhood mind that um, you know, it, it it never made sense. Like, I have to do the dishes because, because why? My mm. anatomy is different than yours. Yeah. Um, mm. That rule, you know, those, those social rules never made sense to me. Uh, I couldn't understand why, like, I had to do the dishes and cook and clean. And, you know, it's not like everybody else wasn't working, but they had different hey. jobs. And so... Did you did you buck against it? Yeah, did you I push really back, did. Or, yeah, or you I did. Really did? I didn't have problems doing the dishes and, and cooking and cleaning, <laughs> but but like I didn't want to be the only one to do that. Like you yeah. saw the inequity. I saw the inequity, and it didn't seem like a rule that made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and then especially when I started getting into my teenage years, you know, there was a lot of emphasis on trying to, um, you know. I, I don't follow a lot of the very feminine, um, roles, you know, I'm, I don't wear makeup and I don't wear feminine clothes. And so there was a lot of, um, trying to condition me to, mm. to become, um, more of a traditional feminine type yeah. of woman. And there was, you know, <laughs> it was, it was a lot, uh, I bucked against that pretty hard. And so Mm. there was always a lot of tension there around that. And then, you know, once I graduated, I kind of just did whatever I want, which is kind of what I do you, always do. Did and anyway. do you remember that, that <laughs> moment of
0: freedom of like, yes. you left the farm, you oh, yes. left home, oh, yeah.
2: like, yeah, 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 I totally You're remember. Oh, yeah. You're smiling very big like, yes. right now. You know, I can, I can style my hair the way I want and I can wear the clothes that I want and the shoes that I want. And, and so, you know, once I had that freedom to just, be authentic to myself then that made a a huge difference and I didn't have you know the the rules that like like if a rule doesn't make sense to me you know I have a tendency to to not follow it as long as I'm not hurting anybody then I figure you know I can like if I wear a flannel and tennis shoes, you know, am I hurting anybody? No. Okay, then right. I'm gonna wear co- clothes that are comfortable to me. Right. Exactly. And have a hairstyle that's comfortable to me, and then you know, I can just comb it and go. Yeah. Like I don't. And but so I sh- love that you sh- never lost it. Like no, I a never kid, lost right? it. Right.
0: Like you, you stayed true to yourself. It seems yeah. like you, you bucked against it. You sort of uh, saw the inequity. You right. saw it Survived all going through on through those teenage years. Yeah. yeah that was rough. Okay, so Great. we fast forward to just 12 years ago. This blows my mind that you've climbed seven summits in 12 years. I'm no, like, what?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, there's
0: other peaks too, not just the seven summits. Like I was climbing all over. You were climbing. All, okay, Beyond so, the seven. You oh, was, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, so you. Wow. So take us back to, because um, for those people who've never been in Iowa, and I know you're out there, it's a flat state, right? There are no summits in Iowa. It's a pretty flat state. So where, do, where did climbing come in for
2: you? Um Where did the bug start for you? So after college, some of the girls that I ran cross-country with, they're like, hey, let's go backpacking. And let's go out um, backpacking in the Sierra Nevada or, you know, in, in California somewhere. We went on a couple of backpacking trips. And that, you know, I was always outdoorsy and always athletic. And I always was camping and stuff like that. So backpacking, you know, was, was huge for me just to be out there and, and spend time being active in the great outdoors, which is, you know, two of the things that I love the most. And um, so I really enjoyed backpacking. And then I found that, um, you know, the backpacking trails don't go to any summits, you might go over a pass, but you're not climbing anything. And you know, I could look over and see people climbing these she literally peaks. saw people. Yeah, I saw people yeah. climbing, and, and I was really intrigued. And I was like, "Wow, you know, that looks super cool. Um, and, like, how do you do that? What kind of fitness level do you need? What kind of gear do you need? Um, what's the style of movement? And so I had all these questions of, of like, wow, how does that happen? And... You know, being from Iowa, like I have no climbing background, and yeah. but I was just very curious, very intrigued, and and I thought that looks that looks fun. I, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if I could tolerate the altitude. I don't know. Um, so I was just really open to trying that and just um, kind of exploring that and seeing, you know, what's what's this like? Can I do it? Will I have fun? And um, so. What was your first adventure then when you finally made the decision to? So my first kind of experience really just kind of dipping my toe in the water was um, by then I had been doing quite a bit of volunteer work for years and I had done a several trips with an organization called American Hiking Society and they will partner with um, like state parks and national parks and um, like BLM land and stuff like that. And they'll partner volunteers with the parks. And you're usually either building hiking trails or doing maintenance on existing hiking trails, or sometimes it's um, removing invasive species. And I had done, you know, several projects with them and I really liked what they did. It was, it was really fulfilling uh, to do that work. And so I was actually looking for another one of their projects um, online, I was on their website and kind of scrolling through their options, uh, where they were going, which parks they were working with, what was the projects that they w- needed help with. And, but kind of in the back of my mind too, it's like, how, how can I get climb in one of those mountains? How can I, how can I get into <laughs> yeah. the mountains? Yeah, more, yeah. You know? And so that was kind of, um, you know, going on in the back of my mind. And when I was on their website and I'm scrolling through, um, one of their, Options was a project in In your National Forest, which is in the Sierra Nevada, and it also happens to be where Mount Whitney is, which is the tallest mm-hmm. peak in the lower forty eight. And so I had been out there backpacking before, but I had not climbed Whitney and so I How high is Whitney? Yeah. It's high? fourteen thousand five hundred okay. yeah. plus change. Yeah. Um And so I clicked on that link and I already knew the areas and I was like, okay, you know, I'm in the mountains and let's see what this project is like. And it was, um, you're going to spend a week, the, the hiking trails are already there. They're already in existence, but we needed to do maintenance on them, um, just to kind of clean them up a little bit, work on the, you know, erosion problems or make sure people knew where the trail was and kind of, um, you know fix up the existing hiking trails and so um, and then on the last day you would have a free day and you're already right there to climb Mount Whitney and mm. you, you could go climb the mountain with the park ranger that you had been working with great. all week and I thought oh that's great that's great because who better to climb a, yeah, my first yeah. peak with than a ranger because he knows the route he knows what he's doing if I run into trouble he has a radio he knows what to do and who to call and uh, so I thought that felt pretty safe to me. So, so I signed up for that trip and I flew out to California and, um, you know, kind of ran, took a little pit stop and ran through Death Valley for a little bit and then headed on over to Inyo National Forest. And I spent the entire week um, doing manual labor, fixing up these hiking trails. And then on the last day, you know, he's like, oh, the ranger was like, oh, okay, who wants to, to climb Mount Whitney? And I'm like, oh, I do. And so. Um, were you the only one? Yeah. No, we all okay, did. Okay, there was so a uh, group. Yeah. So, I mean, we're already there. You yeah. Might as, well, you might as well go. And so we went up and, and did the Mountaineers' route on mountain, uh, Mount Whitney. And that was super fun and just a little bit out of my comfort zone. But um, what, was, what was out of your comfort zone? Well, just, you know, there's there's nothing technical technical about that climb. It's just some scrambling when you get closer to the summit and um, some kind of boulder hopping. But um, so you don't need ropes and harnesses yeah. and any kind of technical gear, really. But there are some places where, you know, if you fall, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. you might not die, but you could break a bone or hit your head on a rock or... And so, you know, putting myself in that kind of situation, it was really the first time I'd been in a place where I was like, "Oh, you know, I mean, I, I was always adventurous and always kind of putting myself in sketchy situations, but <laughs> this, but this was level this was like uh, uh, up a notch, yeah, and so that realization that, oh, you know, if I fall here i'm I'm gonna get hurt and so. That was like, oh, what am I doing? You know, why? Why did you think this would be fun? Why did you think this would be a good idea? I don't know.
1: Clearly, you did. I did, <laughs> and
2: I had a great time. And but there's also that those moments where you're just like, oh God, what was I thinking? And. I don't know if this is for someone me. would
0: have told you in that moment you were going to climb Everest. What would you have said?
2: I would not have. <laughs> I, I
1: would never, never, yeah, in my wild, never imagined. I, had, at yeah, that point. no, not in my wildest dreams. Um, when did the, those ambitions come in? Then was it? Well,
2: you over know, years I, I, years of- so when I got home from pause a minute, you got to the top
0: of Whitney. Yes. Do you remember how you felt? Like you, this is your first summit. Uh-huh.
2: Do so you remember? I felt wow, this is really cool, but now I need to get down. (laughs) Like, like, how does that, you know, going up is, is one thing and going down is, is a different animal. Yeah. And, and so. Harder? Going down is Uh, harder? I mean, they're going up and going down. They're both hard, but they're different kinds of hard, you know, and looking back on it now, I'm, you know, and, and seeing that route and, and thinking about it, it's like, that's nothing right yeah like, that's nothing <laughs> Yeah. so but with my yeah and, and looking at it now i'd be like oh yeah piece of cake let's run up and down and, and, <laughs> and have, a, have a great day and, um but let's at, do it twice yeah let's do it twice why not you know oh <laughs> well, let's do a different route oh let's do this route you know let's do the east face or the east buttress and let's go do that that sounds like fun mm. which is you know a totally different climb but um at the mo, in that moment, with my first ex- crack at climbing, I was just like, "Oh, this is outside of my comfort zone." But, you know, I flew home after that trip was over. I flew home and back to Iowa, and, and you kind of forget about those moments that were like a little bit, um, you know, <laughs> scary. You know, <laughs> yeah, although no, just the good, just enough to make your palms sweat a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, I flew home to Iowa, and I thought, "Oh, that that was fun. What do I do next? I don't know how to." get into climbing. I don't know any climbers. I don't have any connections. I don't know what's the progression. Like, how do I do this? So it makes your story, I think, even more amazing.
0: I know. Because you 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 didn't grow up in in like Washington State or Colorado where there's a bunch of climbers. Like you're somewhere where there's no, not really that many people doing it here. Right. I didn't know
2: anybody. I was kind of just grasping in the dark, really. So what I did was I, I hopped on the internet and I started searching for like, what's something I can do with no gear and no experience, no training, no nothing? And lo and behold, they have mountain climbing schools. I didn't yeah. even know this. Yes, <laughs> I didn't know this was a thing. where did yeah. you and, find it? And, and it is a thing. I had no idea. Um, I went with an outfitter called Alpine Essence International. They're based in Seattle and they have beginning courses. and. And so I thought, great, sign me up. Uh, so I signed up for... Uh, Online course? Yeah. Or, yeah. I'm, kidding. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. This is I'm gonna no, Zoom, we're going to climb. Zoom is No, <laughs> this is before Zoom. So I signed up for a basic mountaineering course and flew out. I did my training on Rainier. And I had to learn the basics. And they send you a gear list. And so I you know, I can't get this stuff like in, in Iowa. In in Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent hours and hours and hours shopping online and, you know, buying ice axes and boots and crampons and, and gloves and glacier glasses and helmets and harnesses mm. and all this stuff. And, and, you know, it was overwhelming just like all the things that I needed. And then, you know, I flew out to Seattle and, 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 Took my course and it was overwhelming. Like Mm. I knew I would have a lot to learn, but like I didn't know. It was one of those situations where I didn't know how much I didn't know, and so there was so much. It was you know technical, technical technical stuff, but But clearly didn't deter you either. No, but it was the basics. Like it's like okay, how to use your ice axe, how to self arrest, how to do crevasse rescue, how to travel on a rope team. Um, you know how to walk-in crampons how to set up a tent on a glacier and live on a, on a mountain on a glacier and so this is blowing my mind a little I bit know. as I'm hearing <laughs> you talk it about your, it yeah. Images and thinking so about. so I mean it, it was it was overwhelming you know how to tie knots and hitches and and you know we'd sit there and they'd show me a knot and I'd take my rope and I'd try and tie this knot and I'd have this wad of rope like oh god I got a knot (laughs) it doesn't look anything like the knot it's supposed to look like but I got a knot (laughs) and so um you know but I did manage to to pass that course. And I had a great time out there with those people. And did you know at that moment, like in this school where clearly you're
0: learning a lot that you're, did you already have the dream? I want to do this. I want to climb. No, I had no idea. You had no
2: idea. For me, this was going to be one of those things where it's like, this is cool. This is fun. This is something that I don't know anything about. How about I learn how to do it, climb a couple of peaks and then move on to the next fun thing. Yeah. Whatever that is.
1: Yeah. I think that's what's so fascinating is you, you've just lived very curiously sounds like most of your life and so you just kept I keep hearing you say well I was curious about that so I just figured out how to do it next and then the next thing came up and you're spending time on Google and you're just living in a curious way that kind of kept building and building and building to this which is such a such an amazing example of how to live wild, right? You just follow. You what follow the natural. bread trail in a yeah. way, <laughs> like the
2: breadcrumbs, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I followed a trail. I couldn't. I didn't see a trail. It was so you kind made of, your own. It, yeah. it felt like I was kind of grasping in the dark most of the time. But um, once I passed that course, that allowed me to start signing up for other climbs. And you know, of course, initially I'm signing up for some very basic peaks. You know, just Um, not crazy altitude, not crazy technical, Um, but I started at that point really getting into, it's like, oh, okay, I can do this. And and with each expedition that I went on, it seemed like I was getting more comfortable and more confident, more competent, um, and just enjoying it more and more. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the more I did it and the more I enjoyed it, the more... I wanted to do it. It kind of became, um, at that point, it, it almost became like a drug, and and it started to take over my life. And in well, I feel like it was calling to you, right? It I don't is. know. It was it calling was to you. Like it was like <laughs> I don't know. It Seems
0: like you're so aligned with this. Like this is yeah. this is There's such a huge part of your life story. It and, is now, yeah. yeah. Um, you're and such i a
2: seeker. You're a seeker. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but uh, you know. My climbs over the years started becoming um, progressively higher, progressively more technical, and it seemed like every expedition I was going on, I was kind of kicking it up a notch and to the point where, you know, now I'm starting to do some really big peaks and some really difficult peaks, and then what happened was in 2013, I was on Denali, which is, you know. By all respects, it's a difficult peak. Um, Denali is pretty full-on. You have heavy packs, plus you're pulling a heavy sled with the rest of your gear. Uh, it's The weather is notoriously bad. Um, you have the altitude. And so, you know, the success rate on Denali is not that great, but we summited, and we summited in good form. We had a great time. And then... After that expedition was over and we were back off the mountain, we were in Talkeetna and our team was there celebrating our success and saying our goodbyes. So we we're having some drinks and and you know, doing our farewell. And while we we're sitting there having a couple of drinks, the guides were like, "Oh Jen, you should go do Everest, you're ready now." Mm. And I started laughing. Um, because I thought they were teasing me, and mm. I thought they were—I thought they were pulling my, fun of you in yeah, a way. Yeah, there, I thought yeah. they were pulling my leg, and so I laughed it off as a joke. And they're like, "No, Jen, you're ready. You're like you're—you were serious. You're ready. You should go do it." And I was like, "What? <laughs> what? You know, I never got into climbing with the intention of doing Everest. I always had this." Um, Perception that Everest was for the professional climbers and for the um, elites climbers, the elite athletes, and and that's not me. Like I'm not an elite athlete or a professional climber. You know, I'm a, a small town Iowa farm girl. But clearly, you have this combination of
0: traits and skills. I can see it in you right now. (laughs) I I also see this like very logical, analytical brain, Mm, and just mm -hmm. this curiosity, and like all of that has to come
2: together to Mm, make it it possible for you to do this. Yeah, kind of like a perfect storm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you know, I I, at the moment I laugh it off as a joke, and then they're like, "Oh no, we're serious," and I was like, "Okay, whatever." And so did you wake up the next morning? No, 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 no. So, you know, the next morning I woke up and flew home to Iowa and that was the summer of 2013. And then once I got home, then like it kind of those comments kind of stuck with me and they're kind of playing in the back of my mind. And now my wheels are starting to turn and I'm thinking to myself, wow. They, those guys were serious. Like, these guys were were the, they're the guys. you know what they're talking about. They're the about. professional yeah. climbers. Yeah. and they see it they in They climb me. for a living. They are not going to make a suggestion like that if they don't mean it, you know, because as, as guides, they're not, they don't want to climb with anybody that's going to be a liability or, or put their life in jeopardy, and the fact that you know, they were serious and, you know, these these were comments that carried a lot of weight. And so at that point in time, you know, I started to really kind of actually consider it for the first time. Mm. And there was, it, w- it was actually a really difficult decision to make. There's so many moving parts imagine. because it's like, you know, th- there's all these pros and cons and I'm trying to weigh them all. You know, there's the, on the con side, you have this f- the fact that, if I'm going to do Everest, it will consume my entire life. It is, you know, something that if you're going to do it, you have to be committed to it. Yeah. You're in 110% or nothing. What did that preparation for that, I mean, 29,000 feet, right? 29,035 feet, yeah. 35. Yeah, don't forget um, the thirty-five. Right? The, yeah, those, are the, those the hardest. <laughs> the hardest <ones. laughs> yeah. Every one of them counts. Uh, all of them. All of
1: the feet. Uh, <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> um, but but what? Yeah. How do you? Because you you've obviously been climbing, you know, smaller peaks at that point. But what was there a different type of
2: mental training or physical training in preparation for Everest? So, once I made that decision to do Everest. Um, I mean, there was all lots of things to consider, um, you know, the, the commitment, the time commitment, the training, the, you know, it was going to be eating, sleeping, breathing Everest between, you know, I'd, I would wake up in the morning, have a healthy breakfast, pack a healthy lunch, pack a healthy supper. I'm out the door. I'm training all morning long. And then I eat lunch on the go. And then I work second shift and I work all night. And then I get home and I fall into bed. And there's no, there's a lot of sacrifice involved. Like I don't have extra time on my hands to go spend time with friends and or spend time with family. Like I'm either working or training or sleeping and that's it for how long it took me three years years. to put that expedition together. And so, and I knew full well that, you know, Even with all this time and energy and blood, sweat, and tears, literally, that I invested into this, I knew full well that there's no guarantee you're going to save it. Absolutely. There's no guarantee you're going to come home in one piece. There's no guarantee you're going to come home at all. And so it's a gamble. It's a calculated— a
0: that piece of, like, your own mortality, like, how much did that— has that ever been something that has stuck in your brain about like, I I could not come off that mountain or was that, is that not even
2: something? I
0: mean, it's, it's all about making
2: good choices when you're up there. Right. And so like no peak is worth dying for. Um, It's all about, you know, taking calculated risks and, and making good choices, making smart choices when you're up there and doing all the things that you need to do to stay healthy and to climb smart. And, so there's, there's tons of things to consider, you know, before I made that choice to do it. Um, so those were, like, some of the cons that I mentioned, but um, on the pro side, you know, I was, I was fit enough, I was qualified enough that, you know, I had my climbing resume already pretty well established, and if I wanted to sign up for an Everest expedition, I would be allowed on a team. They're looking for certain things on your climbing resume. They want to know exactly who you are they want to know every peak that you've climbed what route you took to the summit did you summit have you ever ever had any problems with frostbite or altitude sickness are you a team player how are you how do you handle stress because inevitably throughout the course of of an expedition you might be in a situation where things get a little sketchy maybe the weather is not good maybe the route is falling apart and you know in those kinds of stressful situations where maybe you're cold or you're hurting and you're tired and, you know, you're thousands of miles away from everybody that you love and care about. Um, people's true colors kind of Mm -hmm. come to the surface and how do you perform under, in those circumstances? You know, do you help your teammates or do people start yelling and, or fighting or, you know, whatever happens? So they want to know everything about you before you show up. And so, uh, at that point in time I already had the qualifications but at that point in time you know this was it took me all summer really to make that decision that summer of 2013 because there's so many things and I really had to decide do I want to make this kind of commitment Yeah. and knowing full well I, I might not make it you know yeah. and um, it, you know for months that that entire summer I tossed and turned and and it was always in the back of my mind, and I'm kind of always mulling it over. And so it was an incredibly difficult decision to make. And finally, what happened was I woke up one morning, and, you know, of course, that's a, the first thing that pops into my head. And finally, I I reached a point where I got sick of thinking about it. <laughs> and I, I'm just like, oh, my God, Jen. Make up your mind like you've looked at it from every angle, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing left to consider. You've considered you've taken in every yeah. consideration, like make up your mind, you know. Um, you're getting sick was, of yourself, that, that was kind your of moment, yes. Yeah, and, and, and at that point in time, what swayed me into saying yes was I knew that if I didn't go and didn't try and didn't give it 110, percent I would always regret it, mm-hmm. I would always kick myself for not, for passing up that opportunity and not trying. And so, um, and I would always look back, you know, and wonder if I could have made it and that, that regret would eat me alive and I would never let it go. Um, and so at that point in time, summer 2013, I made the decision to go and do Everest. And at that point in time, I figured, you know what, if I'm going to do Everest, like I might as well just finish the seven summits because I already had three of them done. Why the hell not? (laughs) Right. I already had three done. Right. I already had um, Kilimanjaro done, which is the highest peak in Africa. And I already had Aconcagua done, which is the tallest peak in South America. And I already had Denali done, which is the peak in uh, North America. So I figured, okay, squeeze these others in. Yeah, I might as (laughs) well just do them all, and and, you know, pound out the rest of them. So, in 2013, I made the decision. Okay, this is it. I'm going for it. I'm going to do this thing, and now it's 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 a full time job. You know, the training, the the nutrition, um, making sure I'm getting enough sleep and designing my own tra- training programs and trying to, you know, and and, and I was also doing other expeditions. Um, so from 2013 to 2016, I'm doing a whole bunch of other climbs. I'm doing the highest peak in Europe and doing um, the ones in Australia. And, mm. you know, I'm trying to pound out some other expeditions. I wanted to do another peak in Nepal um, prior to doing Everest because I wanted to get a feel for Everything in Nepal, the food, the language, the culture, the layout of, of everything. And so I went over in the fall of 2013 and climbed Amadalam and which is right next to Everest. And so you could see yeah. Everest yeah. when oh. you're like, oh, you're, 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 she's calling know, to you're, me. You're standing there in that Kumbu Valley and, and just soaking up that place. And it's mm. a really special place in the world. And when you hit the summit of Alma de Blom and you look over and there she is in all her glory and it's, it's exciting and it's overwhelming and it's incredibly intimidating um, just to see this, this massive mountain and it's right there. And so then in the spring of 2016, It was go time, yeah. And I packed my bags and went over there and and did it. Can I
0: pause before this because I heard you do this great interview about just the cost of how much? Like this is not, you know, chimp
2: change to (laughs) to, to climb Everest, right? Like one of the cons. That was one of the cons that I had to consider, and it's like sacrifice. It was a huge sacrifice, and you know, doing Everest is incredibly expensive, and uh, I didn't have that kind of money. I don't have that kind of money. But you (laughs) said in this interview, which
0: I loved, like people don't blink an eye about buying a house and getting a mortgage, right? Like it's their dream. They have their dream house. They buy their dream house. Well, I don't have a dream house. Mm. I have a dream to summit
2: Everest. And so that
0: to me was like such amazing thinking. I'm like,
2: yes. Right. That was kind of the analogy that I make because I've had people give me grief about, you know, spending that kind of money on a climbing expedition. And so the analogy that I make is, you know, here in the States, people will buy their dream house and they'll take out a mortgage and they'll spend the next 30 years paying it off and nobody blinks an eye. Like, right. that's very it's common. common. Um, you know, people do it every day. And, you know, when I was first starting out and young and buying my house, like, I didn't buy this fancy dream home. I bought a tiny, small home that I still live in to this day, and it didn't take me 30 years to pay it off. And so, you know, my dream wasn't my dream house. My dream was this dream expedition. And Mm -hmm. so... You know, I don't give people grief about <laughs> buying their house, right, you, know, right, yeah. you know, spending the next 30 years paying off their house. And so this was this was my dream was this dream expedition and doing the seven summits. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and the thing, one of the things, one of the many things that I love about climbing is like, you know, yeah, I could have bought my dream home and spent the next 30 years paying for that. But, um, you know, I, I bought my dream experience (laughs) and and that is something, you know, once you tag the summit of a peak, that is something that can never be taken from you. Mm -hmm. Like nobody, you know, no bank can repossess that. No Mm. nobody can can say, Oh, you didn't you know, we're gonna take this away from you. It's not a material possession that can be you know repossessed. Totally. And so once it's done, it can never be undone. And I love that. And so you know, yeah, I decided to to figure out the finances and and make a go of it. And so and I did. You,
0: and you also didn't listen to all of those people that said, Jen, you're crazy. I had that day. in an interview. Every people say, Jen, you're so, crazy. You're crazy. Uh, yeah. How'd you deal with that?
2: When I first got into climbing, I really kind of flew under the radar. I didn't tell a lot of people. um, Really, the only people that knew I was climbing was my family and some close friends and a couple of coworkers, And that was it, because I didn't I knew how they were going to perceive it. And I didn't want to have to deal with that kind of judgment about what I do in my free time. Like, I don't judge you for, right. you know, going fishing or going boating or whatever right. you're doing. Like, I don't care. Great. Do what makes you happy. And so I don't want, I didn't want judgment for what I was doing because it was what I was doing was a little bit out of the norm Outside and, of the box. Mm-hmm. and really kind of a foreign concept to a lot of people. And so, um, yeah, when I first got into climbing, I didn't really say a whole lot about it. I kind of flew under the radar and then as my climbing career kind of progressed, um, it was getting harder to fly under the radar, A harder to
1: hide.
2: Wait, where were you? What people, were you doing? People are starting to notice. <laughs> oh God, oh God. And so, you know, obviously once it progressed to the point where I'm doing Everest still, uh, I was flying under the radar. Um, you know, I never really, the only people that knew I was going to do Everest were my family and my friends and my coworkers. And that was it. I didn't, You know, it wasn't, I didn't contact the media. I didn't reach out to anybody. Um, And for me, I didn't want it to be a publicity stunt. I was climbing because I loved climbing and I needed to focus all my energy. You know, when you, when you answer questions all the time, it it kind of, it starts to drain you a little bit and I didn't want to have that extra burden. Like I need to, my life right now revolves around training, nutrition and sleep and work. And that's it. And I don't have the bandwidth for anything else. But, you know, even the people that knew like my coworkers workers and, and family and friends, you know, every single day, Jen, are you really going to go over there and try and climb Everest? Have you lost your mind? You are crazy. Every single day, multiple times, so many days uh, and so many times a day. And it, it got so bad that. I kind of started telling people, I thought, you know what, I'm going to turn this into a fundraiser for every person that tells me I'm crazy and for every time they say, Jen, you're crazy. I'm going to charge them a dollar. And, yes. that, and that is how I'm going to pay for the expedition because it was happening so oh, wow. much. And I thought, man, I could pay for this entire expedition <laughs> with, with just this. Oh, my God. I love that. And, and, but it didn't work because nobody would pay me a dollar even. <laughs> so
0: happy to give you their opinion but oh, they won't right. pay you a dollar. Sure.
2: Oh, everybody was so happy to give me their opinion. And and what and, is that? And yeah, what, was, I
0: agree. What is that? It was that? really like,
2: frustrating. This is your
0: dream. And it's like an amazing dream, right? absolutely so many well, people question you so
2: so we you know Here. I, I shouldn't talk about all the negative like it wasn't just negative there was kind of this spectrum so on the one hand on the on the bad side of the spectrum you had these people like oh you're crazy you have a death wish you're gonna die blah, blah, blah. and but on the other hand of the spectrum you had a lot of people that were like wow jen this is really cool. I'm so excited for you. And everything in between, there were so many emotions and lots of opinions, but lots of (laughs) opinions. Everybody had an opinion and and nobody hesitated to tell me their opinion, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it it wasn't all bad. There were, there were people that were excited and and stoked and and thrilled that I was going to go do this or try and do this thing and so yeah it was just lots of opinions <laughs> yeah. so you're in nepal how many like
0: how the how whole process once you get to nepal so how long is that the
2: expedition from start to finish it's like nine weeks ten nine weeks, weeks. yeah depending on whether so it's getting there adjusting mm-hmm. preparing yeah, yeah it's and a the huge, climb itself well i mean there's so much of it's that's travel time it takes 10 days just to get from Lukla to base camp and then you know once you're in base camp then you start your climbing rotations and there's there's three rotations and each rotation you go up higher the third rotation is your summit push and they're over there right now climbing they're doing their first rotation right now wow your team
0: no, just all just the teams. right now they're starting. This is the, yeah, this this is is the season. season. This, this is, is the season.
2: season. They're over there right now. Everybody's doing their first rotation at the moment. And
0: you made it to the summit, which, as you mm. said, is not something that everyone does. Was that mm.
2: a mix of just good weather? There's a lot of things that making. have to go right. Yeah. There's a lot of moving pieces. And, and this is true for any expedition. You know, you need to stay healthy. You need to... Um, you know, there's, there's GI issues, there's altitude sickness, there's, you need to stay hydrated, you need to eat enough calories, your fitness level needs to be at the top of its game. And then, you know, so that's the health part of things, but you also need good route conditions, you need good weather. Um, so there's, there's all these moving parts and some of these things I can control and some of these things I can't. And so... What I have to focus my energy on is what can I control? Um, I can control my hydration. I can control my fitness level. I can control, um, you know, just trying to stay as healthy as possible. Yeah. And then let the chips fall where they fall yeah. and make good decisions. You know, it's, these are calculated risks. Just high consequence. Yeah. Oh.
0: Any close calls on the mountain? Yeah. On Everest? Yeah.
2: Uh, I mean, it was it was grueling. It was brutal. The Um, most brutal of all your climbs? I would say, yeah, Yeah. it was it was the most demanding um, physically, mentally, emotionally demanding. Um, There's so many things, you know, it's such a long expedition. So, you know, there's the physical aspect, but that's really only one aspect of it. The mental aspect is the other part of it. And you have to really keep your head in the game the whole time. That's and, a long time and, to keep your head is. in the game. Yeah, it is really long time to keep your head in the game and and stay focused and, and try and do, you know, mountaineering is one of those things that it really forces you to be present and it forces you to stay in the moment. And so, you know, that's one of the things that I love about climbing. Like, you're climbing a mountain. What do I need to be doing right now? Yeah, I can't look too far ahead. I need to breathe and I need to move my feet. And I need to, you know, unclip here and clip in here. Go. This is what I need to do right now. And it keeps you present in the moment all the time. And if you lose focus, you know, that's when things can yeah. turn sideways. Yeah. yeah. So A mindfulness was, practitioner. I know. I would <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. mindfulness uh, practitioner. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: So, what was the moment like at this when you the were standing system. at the top? Yeah.
2: Um. And did you take a picture? Because I'm looking at your book thinking, Mm. what was, yeah, what was that? So I did not get pictures at the summit. I had kept my camera batteries on the inside pockets of my parka to prevent them from freezing. If they freeze, they lose a charge, and then you have no pictures. And so I put my batteries, you know, they're small and light, and I shoved them on the inside pockets close to my body heat, and even with that, they still froze. So, mm. so I did not get uh, pictures on my camera. But fortunately, my guide still had good batteries and he did get uh, the summit picture. So uh, and that's out there on the interwebs anywhere you can find it, um, the summit picture. But standing there um, at the summit, you know, it took me three years I invested my entire life into this single moment mm. and the, the sacrifices that I made, the risks that I took, the blood, sweat and tears that I invested into, you know, it consumed my entire life and, and I dedicated three entire years to this single moment, knowing full well that mm. I, that there's always a possibility that I might not have made it, you know, nothing is ever guaranteed in climbing, and I took the chance, and and you know it was kind of, in some ways, a roll of the dice. And you just make the best of it, and try and make good decisions up there, and and um, make good choices, and they're calculated risks. And and but to stand on the summit, you know, after mm-hmm. after everything that I invested into this, it was. Just amazing. I was exhausted. I was cold and tired and hurting and dehydrated, um, but also super grateful. Yeah. And and in a way, almost kind of relieved that that I did it. That um, but also so that you know I have this this joy and this gratitude and this feeling of relief and 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 bliss. But on the other hand. Um, you don't let your guard out on the summit because it, it's really yeah, it's halfway down. It's yeah. halfway. Yeah. Yeah. You, like, you I can't right. like, really celebrate. It took six or seven weeks of climbing and you're, you've made it to the top and now you're halfway. Yeah. You can't stay here. You have to go down. <laughs> it has to be a round trip. How long trip. do you stay? Like how yeah. long do people so stay? So we you know, it varies depending on um, how people are feeling and how much oxygen they have in their tank. But that's really, you know, that's the thing about standing at the summit. Like, you can't stay there for too long. We were probably there for maybe 20 minutes to a half an hour. Okay. And then, you know, it's time to go. Yeah. If you, if you're, because you're burning oxygen, but you're not even moving. Like, yeah. you're not covering any ground. You're just wasting oxygen okay. in a way. And so, um, yeah, 20, 30 minutes at the top, um, kind of soak it in. And, and, you know, because my camera batteries were dead, I It was important to me to just sit and be still and, yeah. and soak it up. And, and I tried to make an impression, like an imprint in my mind of that mm. moment and what it felt like and what it looked like and, and all of the hard work and dedication and commitment that it took to get there. And I did it. yeah um, But, you know, so I, I made that impression in my mind. And then, you know, you don't let your guard down, though, because... Uh, You have to get down now. And and it seems like a lot of times um, everybody's heard the stories, you know, tragedy can strike very easily on the descent because people are already tired. Yeah, Yeah. they're already dehydrated. Um, They didn't kind of leave enough in the tank to, Mm -hmm. you know, they expended all their energy to get to the top and for just do most people die on the way down. I don't know what the statistics okay. are, but I do know it's, it's, it happens, yeah. and it happens yeah. a lot, um, unfortunately. So, you know, pe- people fall, um, people run out of oxygen, um, storms can roll in, and, you know, now you're really in trouble. So, you know, there's, uh, people always ask what's harder, going up or going down, and they're both hard they're just two different kinds of hard and so you know I still need to keep my head in the game and I still need to be focused it's not over yeah. like like yeah right. you made it to the top but it's not over like you have a lot of ground to cover and it's difficult ground and under, you know, under difficult circumstances you know it's cold and and windy and um there's so little oxygen in the air. Even with supplemental oxygen, you know, you're still struggling to yeah. to catch your breath, and so it's it's kind of pushing the very limits of what a human body can can do physically and mentally, and and so yeah, it's it's you're walking a very fine line, and so you know you, you really have to still keep your head in the game to descend safely and and get off the mountain. So. Yeah, it you took, made it. Yeah, I made it, you it, made it. Uh, it was, yes. it was grueling and it was brutal. And it was, it was, you know, the most taxing expedition that I have ever been on. And it, it took a lot out of me, but uh, I have no regrets. I bet. Yeah. I have I no bet. regrets. So inspiring.
0: You really <laughs> yes. are. I know. Yes. You are Just so inspiring <laughs> and you're so freaking humble like yeah <laughs> like as i sit across from you i'm like oh my gosh yeah. this woman sitting across from me has climbed seven the seven summits and you're so you're, like you're, s- and you're humble steady. and steady you know steady. Just, hey, yeah, yeah that's, that's like, why she can do it i know she's so you steady. The, the mountains presence. have
2: a good way of keeping you humble yeah. <laughs> you know you go up there and and they can knock you on your feet pretty quickly Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> well and you have this amazing book shots from the heart
2: that's mm-hmm. a collection
1: of your photography yes. and all your
2: climbs. So, so you know, over the years, when I come home from, an, from every time I come home from an expedition, people always ask for two things. They want to see photographs and they want to hear stories. And so many times people are like, Jen, I really wish you would put a book together. And I'm just like, oh, I'm kind of busy training and climbing. <laughs> I, I like, I'm not home long enough to yeah. put a book together. And then when COVID hit... Um, ah, I was like, oh, hey, I'm home. I can't travel. I can't go anywhere. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to lose my mind. I need. let write a book. Let's write a book. Okay. Write a book. <laughs> so I need, I you need to something to live all those right. So I need something to work on so I don't go yeah. crazy. And so for the first time, I sat down and I looked at these photographs. I had never mm. gone back and looked at the photographs and I, you know, I always kept a journal when I was traveling, and I had never gone back and reread the journals ever. And I had to go on a search and destroy mission to even find the journals. You know, when I get home from an expedition, I'm always so overwhelmed, and the transition is very jarring to go from my climbing life to my Iowa life yeah. and they're two very different lives and they don't have anything in common. And I'm, when I get home, you know, there's, there's a duffel bags full of dirty laundry and I need to get groceries and mow the lawn and get back to work. <laughs> and there's, you know, thousands of emails and everybody wants to talk to me and, and, And it's really, and I'm still trying to go through that transition and that reverse culture shock. And, you know, I'm trying to get back into work and my daily routine here. And there's so many things going on. And so what happens is the journal kind of gets chucked in a corner somewhere. So when I decided to sit down and do this book, I had to tear my house apart to find the journals. Because sometimes they ended up in a drawer in the desk. And sometimes they ended up in a (laughs) tub in the closet. And they were all over the place. And I think I found about 95% of them so anyway I did find the journals and and I sat down I spent hours sitting at the computer and just looking at these photographs and it really was a wild epic journey down memory lane of all these places that I had been and experiences that I had and I could look at a photograph and I remember exactly where I was and how I was feeling and what I was doing and the people I was with and and how it was going the weather and and so and then i would sit and read these journals and i'm like oh my god i remember that all these <laughs> uh, all these moments all these yeah. highs and all these lows and all these moments of of yeah. anxiety or or joy or excitement and all no, we all get to all share in it too right this and gorgeous so, book so so I, you know so there's four chapters of the book the first chapter is the seven summits minus the peak in Antarctica, which I just did, so mm-hmm. that's why it didn't make the it didn't make it into the book because I hadn't done You've it. You've done yet. it since COVID. Yeah. I, I did December? finish it. I just yeah. finished it here, December twenty eighth okay. of twenty twenty one. So that expedition is complete now. So six of the seven summits. So you the need fir- to write it as another book. <laughs> yeah. I've had a, people ask, a, "Are you going to do, do another book?" And I'm like, dinda. "Oh God, I don't know." And people can get this book where? Tell us where we can get this it, book. This book is available. On my website, which is iowaclimbergen.com. Great. We have two last questions for you. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So
0: we ask every single one of our guests um, this question. And so I'm so curious to know what <laughs> you say.
2: Oh, oh God. I'm nervous. <laughs> oh, don't be nervous. Don't <laughs> be nervous. It's, it's, it's,
0: it's um, there's no wrong answer. Let's no, just tell you okay, that. Okay. Well. Okay. Hmm. So part of our inspiration for this podcast is this book called Women Who Run With The Wolves. It's by Dr. Clarissa Pinkle Estes. And you will get a copy from us today. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but this uh, amazing author talks about how there are a couple precious doors into the world of the wild woman, and you clearly are one mm-hmm. of us. You are a wild woman. So she says these are the different doors. So we're curious, Jen, which door you've taken. So if you have a deep scar, that is a door. If you have an old old story, that is a door. If you love the sky and the water so much, you can almost not bear it. That is a door, and if you yearn for a deeper life, a full life, a sane life, that is a door. so which door do you think you took
2: uh, i I don't know anything about doors, and I haven't <laughs> seen this book, and so i don't i don't um I don't think in terms of i don't think of those terms because I'm not familiar with them. Um, I think for me. I don't know. Maybe it was a little bit of everything. A lot, a lot of our painting. guests say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think for me, you know, maybe I was just kind of born the person that I am, and I strove to stay authentic to myself, and the whole time, which was yeah. which was really difficult. But um, that's when I can be my authentic self. That's when I really um, succeed. And so and I really climb that, the
1: yeah. Mount Everest, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. your authenticity is so it's I just
0: so palpable. palpable. <laughs> yeah. It is. I know. It, it is. so uh, fills the room. It's, yeah. it's oh, so wow. inspiring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, last but not least, Okay. you've climbed seven summits. Okay. Like you yeah. did it. I did it. How did old it. are you right now? Oh, Can funny. I ask that question? Or yeah. are we- I'm, I'm 46. Okay, you're 46. So I, I was 40 when I did Everest. So wow. I'm 46 okay, so you're now. 46. You've mm-hmm. done it. You've climbed seven summits. Yeah. What do you
2: do next? Yeah, What's next so on I your God. list, Jen? There's so many things. Everybody asks this question, but, you know, the list is really endless. Like, there's still other peaks out there that I would love to climb that I haven't climbed yet. I would like to do some, or I already did some ice climbing, some rock climbing, Um, And just there's so much travel, you know, and I do a lot of volunteer work and I would love to do a lot more of that. And so, like I have it seems like every time I go someplace and I check something off my bucket list, I end up adding like twenty more things to my bucket and that's, list. That's what. And it never, yeah. it never, like, and it there's the, the world is is so full of all these amazing places and amazing cultures, amazing people, and so many beautiful things to see. And even as much as I've traveled and got to experience some of these things, it kind of feels like I'm really only scratching the surface. Mm. But there's so much to see and, and there's so much beauty and, and so many amazing things to experience and so like I'm always I feel like I always am kind of scrambling to to see it all before my time is up, you know. Yeah, I your love that perspectives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So. Thank you so yes. much. Thanks for having, for having with me with
2: your story
1: yes. and your presence. You're Loved amazing. It. Thank you. Thanks. And now the amazing singer songwriter Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like
0: this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.